All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That's me. With me, as always, losing out in the eternal debate over the best burger in America, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? I, Mike, why? Well, I I have things ready, and then you throw me off with the craziness. I'm wearing an In and Out shirt right now. Mike is hating because uh, you're wearing a beautiful shirt, though. Shouts out to the Thick Six and the Thick Six picks here at the Gojo Show. Uh, we're looking very uh, Blue Ranger versus Red Ranger right now. We are, and if you rock 'em sock 'em Robops, God. We hope it doesn't go that way for the rest of this, man. I don't have enough neck support ready to go. <laughs> I am slowly learning how washed I am as I go forward now. My 33rd birthday is coming up pretty soon. And I just recently got yes. my night guard in the mail. In the mail Because now I have to sleep with a night guard. Because I found out at my last dentist appointment, I am out here stress grinding the hell out of my teeth. And it was a, a humbling moment to have to get ready for bed last night and essentially put a mouthpiece in i thought i wore my last mouthpiece in 2015 and that is sadly not the case anymore ever since we've been on this uh we're getting ready to record you've been leaning in and like grinting your teeth at me i thought you were just trying to like show your aggression or just you know like this is your territory but you just you've been going through it with your mouth and uh thank you for that because we need your mouth to be okay for what we do here 
Bro, the weirdest part about it is too, and I think this is because when you get one of these over time it can wear down and move around so you're supposed to have a mold in case someone else has to make you one they sent me a mold of my own mouth you have a mold of your own mouth with you right now yeah will you filibuster for a second i'm gonna go get it so i can show you and the people watching on youtube by the way uh we got a great show for you guys today here dan orlovsky espn nfl analyst former nfl quarterback is going to stop by and help us break down a lot of the quarterback play that we saw this weekend. A lot of great stuff on the mechanics that we saw from Trey Lance. So many people focused on the job. Dan focused on how he's playing quarterback. What's gone wrong and in a hurry for the New England Patriots and Mac Jones. And the one that was most interesting to me, because Brandon, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the fallout from this NFL weekend, but really fascinating conversation with Dan on what it now looks like for Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett in the conversation about what went down in the lead-up, because we've all focused again on what happened, the decision to kick the 64-yard field goal. Dan's got a great explanation for all the things that went wrong leading up to that, that both coach and quarterback have to be accountable for going forward. And it's fascinating to, again, see all this stuff through the mind of a quarterback, because Brandon, you and I approach this from the lines of scrimmage. It's a different vantage point for a lot of this stuff. And every spot's got their advantages, but I think for quarterback, you have so much of that 30,000-foot view of these situations that it's a really fun, interesting conversation that we get to have with Dan about that, for sure. Perfectly. While why you go find the mold of your mouth, I'll talk about quarterbacks. How about that, from a, from a lineman right. perspective? Is that okay? All right. Perfect. Brandon, give me your best on quarterbacks here from a lineman perspective while I go show everyone my mouth. See, the thing about quarterbacks and the reason why you can lean on them to give you the the full perspective of the field is because their heads are literally in the clouds in comparison to everyone else because they're 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 just not in the trenches like they they their vantage points are completely different here's a perfect example during the the heydays of camp where everyone is is struggling their ass off and and barely able to walk quarterbacks feet usually are sore like it's just it's a different level of, of of strain on the game. I'm sure between the ears they're struggling, but the fact that in the middle of camp the only thing that's wrong with a quarterback is their feet being sore it allows them to see the game a little differently. We're out here in ice baths trying to survive. Are you ready for this? Yes. Ugh, Mike. Ugh, why is colored? <laughs> Again, (laughs) download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And make sure you check us out on YouTube, the DraftKings YouTube channel, and the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist right now. Because for the audio audience, this isn't going to make sense to you. For the visual audience, you can go to my Twitter, at Mike Golick Jr., and see this, or on the YouTube and check it out. But it's just a whole-ass rubber mold of my mouth. And I got to tell you, seeing your mouth outside of your mouth is really off-putting and makes me never want to kiss anyone again like i don't want to put anyone through this look how terrifying that is yeah that's all that's all on the inside of the mouth that yeah i would say that is it like a paperweight for you what are you using it for so i just have it hidden away in shame in my bathroom right now i don't want to have this out on front street it is something i, like I definitely plan on making use of around halloween though because i feel oh, like man, having a skeletal you. reconstruction of my own mouth hanging out during spooky season is actually what the holiday is all about why did they have to paint it mike why couldn't they just reg- be regular teeth like why does they have to look like gums and look like uh chiclet corn piece teeth like i don't like that i don't like that it's real 
they could have made it look a little bit more fake, but it is kind of cool to have. I won't. Modern dentistry has come a long way, and it is really impressive. So, welcome everybody else to the legion of being washed along with me here. I have a mold of my out mouth, and I ate a rot an entire rotisserie chicken from uh, from the from the grocery store for dinner last night. That's how I'm living right now. That's caveman stuff. That's just really caveman stuff, and it's not how people should live. But it's a good thing that those uh, those chickens are usually pretty moist when they're supposed to be. It was in a baggie. It was warm and moist. It was ready to go for me because I was at the grocery store. I knew I wasn't going to make dinner on the back end of this. And so I thought, what better gift to myself than to just chalk it up and say, you know what? We're going high protein tonight. We're going to get a little caveman with it because I've always maintained, Brandon, with certain foods. And I always associate this with seafood because people always act like if you go to a crawfish broil or you're eating lobster or you're cracking crab, that it's too much work for too little meat. And I said, one... It's really all a conduit for butter when you get to that kind of seafood. Most of that stuff True. is just you dousing it in butter. But it's about that primal feeling of kind of having to work for your food a little bit. Like you're mm. out there and you just caught this and you get to crack it open and feel that sort of you know deep guttural urge. And I just think that there's something special about that. And that's how I felt eating this rotisserie chicken because sooner or later the fork and knife become irrelevant. I just started digging in there with my bare hands because I live alone and I am very, very single and no one had to see that. <laughs> yeah, like you have a good point. My neighbor was mowing the lawn earlier and he had a shirt on that said, uh, it was whatever the company is, you grill it, we kill it. No, opposite around. I think it's opposite. Yeah, you kill it, we, we grill it. We kill it. it. That was... You kill it, we grill it. I love That's, the thought of someone step. grilling up something and then someone just coming over with a shotgun and absolutely laying waste to their steaks. Yes, all right, Johnson, you're all set. Right. We'll take it from here. It does feel like very, very manly, much like putting something from Ikea together. It's a, it's a cathartic, manly thing to do. Oh, man, I put this whole shelf together from Target. Can I tell no. you, it was, you know how those memes are all going around to the people standing outside looking at rain going, we needed this. Yes. As someone who used to do that all the time when I had a lawn to take care of when I lived in Connecticut, like I will yeah. never forget the feeling after my lawn was freshly mowed and taken care of by someone else. I didn't do it even, but it was freshly mowed and taken care of and looked nice. I was standing out on my porch or sitting out on my porch and I was just waiting. Like I had a book out. I looked like I was reading, but I was just watching. And as people went by, I saw multiple times some, some woman tap her husband or boyfriend on the shoulder and point over to my lawn. And Brandon, I felt like I was king of the fucking world in that moment. As you are fighting a bug you, on your microphone right now. I am fighting a bug on my microphone right now. But you put us on. We visited your home before we left New Jersey and came uh, to Excise in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And Michelle was like, Mike, your lawn is immaculate. And you said, should I say the company? True Green. You said True Green. And then, you know, we looked it up and they're everywhere. And, uh, you know, they, get, they got our lawn right too. But you got to have the right lawn person too. True Green won't cut your grass. So no, no, and that's you know a completely different thing. Shout out to Lawn Ranger LLC in Connecticut. If everyone's anyone's looking for people to come cut their grass and potentially plow their driveway here, again, I understand how lazy that sounds, but at some point you got to treat yourself to certain <laughs> things. If you've got the ability, I am fortunate. True. Yada yada yada. All that being said, 
It is one of those great feelings. And putting together this shelf was as close to as I've felt to that in a while, where I just finished up and I looked at it, and it is the plainest, whitest $35 shelf that you can buy at Target, and I still felt like, all right, I've done my thing for the day. Anything else is just gravy at this point. I've already done the thing. Can I tell you one thing I did from Target? It's kind of wild. Uh, there was a end table that was circular, and it looked like it was going to be too much to put together. So I put the display in the basket and walked out and scanned the box and then walked out with the display. So like I had it finished, Oh, but it was the one that was supposed to stay there. They let you do that? I mean, I mean, I'm sure if anyone was the wiser, they'd probably say, hey, you can't do that. But once you once you know you're going to get some smoke on the way out, you, you do you do your uh, you scan yourself on the way out. So. Well, I get you scanned yourself, but they usually have people by the exit. They've got the checkers on the way out that'll sometimes they, randomly ask you for your receipt. They don't know which is what they don't know what's uh, you know, they don't know how things are sold. It's Target. So it could have been sold all put together back there. <laughs> Listen, heads up play, something I need to consider a lot more now because putting shit together is for the birds. So all right, men cutting we all corners. Here. That's all it show. is, man. Finding, you know what? We're working smarter, not harder, baby. That's day one stuff that you got to look for here. And Brandon, speaking of working smarter, before we do that with Dan Orlovsky, I saw one thing in the wake of the NFL weekend that we hadn't got to that made its way all the way to first take. I don't know if you saw in the Sunday night football game, yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Cowboys. Micah Parsons is rushing the passer over the left tackle and you see running back Leonard Fournette come over and chip him on the way out and he hits the shit out of him pretty good here knocks him off knocks him off his feet for anyone that's you know not familiar with the term or anything or hearing that for the first time a chip is essential, essentially as the running back is going out to run a pass route he would just go and throw a shoulder in to a pass rusher to help out the offensive tackle. When you've got really good rushers coming at you, it's just another way to make these guys think, which side am I getting hit from to kind of slow defenders down, Brandon, which you as an interior defensive lineman, a little less experience with, but still kind of un, you know familiar nonetheless. Uh, I think I'm more familiar with it than most because of my interior lineman status. I think the, the chip block is something that, they always try to do, especially with uh, screen plays for for linemen. As soon as the interior man, uh, lineman gets through the line, you get a little weak-ass chip block from the uh, running back, and you think, okay, let me follow this dude because they're, 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 they're setting me up right now. Or even those little, you know, uh, there's trap plays all the time where it's not a chip. It's kind of like a working, working the, the lineman up to the linebackers. Uh, but, yes, I, I know about chip blocks because people try to do it all the damn time. So, and, and all of what you just said is a great point to underscore how common this is as a part of the game. And in general with football, we went over this with Kayvon Thibodeau and the wham block on a play during the preseason that everyone lost yep. their shit about. And so now you had this, and Micah Parsons himself wasn't overly upset about the play. Pro Football Focus had tweeted out Leonard Fournette with this video and a bunch of pancakes next to it, and he basically took them to task saying, this isn't anything special here. He didn't do anything to me when we were one-on-one. -on -one. This is something from the side. And then went on to say, like, you know, it's football. Crackback blocks happen. This isn't something that's to be celebrated. 
Von Miller's the one that took it a step further. Von Miller quote tweeted the video and said, this block must be taken out of the game. This is the future, and we are just letting the offense tee off on our marquee pass rushers. You can get the job done without this much contact. And that last sentence as the poster for football is fucking hilarious. Like, I understand what Von... Like, shoot or shoot, Von. I have no problem with Von Miller trying... (sighs) To basically say, I'm one of the big names in this league. We see all the time now as people are looking at football through a different lens and saying, hey, we can take some of the violence out of the game because crackbacks and other elements, especially in the world of college football, have been taken out of the game. We've seen the emphasis on hits to the head and neck, the protection for the quarterback. So I get it. For Von Miller, you're trying to fight for equal rights for defensive players on some grounds. That being said, no. what are we talking about here, man? Like, No. It's, this is okay. I'll give you. I'll give you a piece of what I was filibustering when you left. I was just basically saying that quarterbacks have a different vantage point because their head is not buried in someone else's head, and there there there's a there's less stress on their physical, so they can see things like uh, the big picture. I could say the same thing for outside linebackers or DNs with their hands out of the ground. People standing up in five technique, nine techniques, whatever. People setting the edge. Right. Like to hear I heard that, Mike, from from Von Miller. And I was like, this is why defensive linemen need to be classified between interior defensive linemen and you guys, because you sound like a quarterback talking about anything needs to happen. To You can get this done with less contact that literally you sound like Tom Brady, like Von Miller's like sees he's like, OK, maybe I could play longer if I can start making up rules like Tom Brady did to, to save my career. The chip block off the edge from a running back is not something that needs to be taken out of the game and do the exact same thing with less contact. Like, what are you talking about? This isn't a Thursday walkthrough drill. Like, no, everything is, everything is uh, (laughs) tied to how strongly you do something. Like I think it is crazy that these uh, places like PFF and uh, pro football talk and these other uh, establishments, uh, publications can falsely make this into a pancake block because it wasn't a pancake block mike like that's the problem and then when football people hear people who supposedly know football sound dumb and telling themselves this is where the issues come because it's like all right well if you're wrong about this what else are you wrong about as you're telling everyone about how good or bad i am at this game well i mean part of that is also most sites, our Twitter account included, at Gojo Show on Twitter, are just out here trying to strike meme capital on the most popular videos on the internet and get a bunch of clicks off of it. Like, true. it's engagement tricks. So I don't even look yes, at that as like, true. oh man, like PFF doesn't know shit. They're trying to hack the algorithm like everybody else and get a bunch of clicks. And so it's I looked at that and I was block. like, I, I, I get it, Brandon, but like it's the internet. We're going to parse words over what emoji they use because there isn't an emoji for unless they have like a Dorito or a chip that they can put up there to be a little bit more specific. They're making the best of what's around. And okay. so like I didn't see – let's put it this way. I didn't see – and I don't need to go look at Leonard Fournette's Twitter account. Maybe this is bad internet journalism by me. I didn't see him out here flexing like it was something crazy. Right. It exactly. was that anger from Von, Micah Parsons and then – and then Von Miller. And with Von Miller, I understand Brandon doing things with less contact has been part of the sport. Because we looked at areas where injury was more prevalent on kickoff returns, on special teams plays where there's long sustained contact. 
hits to the head and neck, the quarterback getting hit low in the knee when he's not protected, all that type of stuff, I can kind of understand. And then the other part I understand is most of the league rules are skewed towards offense. This is never going to get taken out of the game because this would allow more pass rushers to get to the quarterback, and that would stop them from scoring points. So I understand the inherent inequity in all of this, but Brandon, my first thought was, and I saw Jeff Saturday speak so eloquently about this on First Take yesterday, is... All right, man, if you want chips taken out of this, then I don't want to see another twist or stunt from the D-line ever. Because the amount of time you're sitting in the middle of a line as a center, and now all of a sudden you got some guy cleaning your ear hole out, coming from the side to create a seam for his buddy, it's the same damn thing. We are all looking for angles and leverage. That is football. And as long as it's not causing a mass sweeping amount of injuries among players, perfect example, Brandon, would be, it used to be, when you were running like an outside zone play, those wide stretch one runs that everyone's running now, and you had a right. guy on you as the center, the backside guard used to be able to go down and cut the defensive lineman yes. while you two were engaged. And then our yep. buddy Ian Williams got injured playing for the 49ers, and they quickly changed the rule after that because they saw, True. oh, really bad ankle injury. So maybe if this chip block happens and at some point you have a Von Miller or a Micah Parsons get seriously injured, then maybe there would be some sort of groundswell of support for this. But it's a play that I don't think really lends itself to injuring guys badly. Right, I was going to say, Mike, I can hear the same argument for the wham block. They got Thibodeau. Like, the, I can, like uh, that version of the block, yes, that possibly can get people hurt and get up out of here. But a chip block, it's literally, by definition of the name, just the chip. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's meant to be, it's meant to, <laughs> it's meant to just to like, <laughs> just to like get a piece. <laughs> I love that this is the same theory as like when Jimmy, um, when, um, what was the tight end's name for the Saints for all those years? Uh, Jeremy Shockey? The Saints. No. No. Jimmy Graham. When Jimmy Graham Jimmy was Graham, the... Jimmy Graham, yes. Well, look. Jeremy Shockey wasn't with the yeah. Saints for so many years anyway. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Jimmy Graham, when he was with the Saints, I remember when I got down there, I was in the off-season program in 2014 and 2015 with them, and that was when Jimmy Graham was going through the arbitration surrounding how he was franchise-tagged in the NFL. He was trying to go and be a franchise-tagged as a wide receiver because they split him out for X amount of plays. He was trying to point True. to usage. And I remember at one point they used against him, they're like, it says tight end in your bio on Instagram or Twitter or something. Or just, it's something like benign like that. And now we're going to do that with this block here. Well, like, you're called the chip, so how scary can you be? I'm, I'm following. Like, Ross Tucker went directly under this Von Miller clip and said, are we going to ban DNs blowing up Offensive guards hips on uh, in and tackle arounds. That's what I'm imagining the ENTs uh, then because that's way worse and more damaging. So, like, that's another uh, version of grasping at straws. Then you get Cam Jordan, speaking of the Saints, he comes in and says, or just run us the ability to bull rush without worrying where the helmet placement is or where our hands, if our hands slip up to the offensive, uh, to the offensive lineman's face mask. Like, this is the level of minutiae. That is getting creative when you're talking about taking away chip blocks. Like that's all of this talk around like the other things that could possibly be legalized or taken away from the game. 
all because we're talking about chip block should illustrate to you the fact that we should leave that alone and all the rest of this stuff. Because trying to control the game of football to the to the minute detail when it comes to offensive line to play and defensive line play up to a chip block that's made because a person is much smaller usually than the person they're trying to block for two and a half for a half second. Like it's ridiculous, Mike. And trying to block for two and a half seconds to keep them from sacking Tom Brady. Like again, remember where the gold is in all of this. It's in it's in the pocket. And so if any rule can be kept in place to make sure quarterbacks stay upright longer and score more points and sell more ads, probably not gonna change. But Brandon, the one thing that this does really underscore is that football is so very back and that all people want her to be valued and heard because everyone (laughs) just wants to have their problems matter right now. And so Von Miller gave them an inch and everyone just started coming up. You know what else sucks about my job and just laying it right on the pulpit. So part of me appreciates that, man. As human beings, we have very basic needs when you boil it all down and two of them are to feel valued and heard. And that is all that these guys want is to feel valued and heard. So guys, I accept and hear you. I just don't agree and don't think anything's going to happen with it. And that's really the bottom line on that. Brandon, I think what's more interesting, though, with Von Miller is we saw the haircut from this last weekend, right? Yes. So Von Miller had a massive triangle shaved into the back of his head. And then yesterday posted on Twitter a big black triangle and said a triangle represents manifestation, enlightenment, revelation, and a higher perspective. It's often used to mark the cycles of growth that lead to a higher state of being. Spiritually, it represents a path towards enlightenment or connection to an omnipresent being. Energetically, triangles direct energy and power in the direction that they point. I wonder if Von Miller went on the Mythic Quest ayahuasca journey with Aaron Rodgers because he sounds like he's tripping on some stuff. Mike, the 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 tweet right below that though is the is the one. Continue to be great and don't blink. Now I know it may not be connected to the triangles, but it feels connected to the triangles. <laughs> don't blink. Keep your third eye open and see everything that's going connected. on right now. Honestly, like this is if this if uh, triangles are Von Miller's version of the TB12 method, like where's the book? Like I'm, I want to learn more. Like what if I should be cutting out strawberries with the TB12 method and, and eating avocado ice cream? Like what do I need to be doing with these triangles? Should I should I be drawing them on the heels of my foot? Like I, I need to know the secret messages for triangles so I can better attack my uh, whatever version of quarterbacks that I need to rush in my life. I mean, Brandon, listen, a wise man once said, in my inner circle, all we do is ball till we all got triangles on our walls. Like, you have a bunch of squares behind you that look like they could use one less side in order to get your game right here. Oh, man. Uh Uh-oh. You see see the natural triangle that forms in the human hand. For people watching on YouTube right now, Brandon has found the natural triangle that forms right in the nape of his hand and now all of a sudden we can see what von miller is talking about looking to feel that energy right now are you do you feel more energetic i mean you can't tell because of where the camera is but i'm floating (laughs) like david blaine style floating right now this is kind of crazy Mind freak Brandon Newman. We're going to let Brandon get his shit together here for a bit as we try and contemplate the mystery of triangles. Mercury's in retrograde right now. There's a lot of things happening all at once. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to our friend ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky about quarterback play that we saw in week one of the NFL. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. 
Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, Dan Orlovsky popping in here. I haven't seen Dan say anything inflammatory about food on the internet in the last couple of days. So I feel like we just get to talk quarterbacks right now, Dan, which is surprising. Um, well, the day is not over. Um... Do you have one you've been sitting on here? No, I don't think so. I, I'll tell you this. I, I had the Arkansas-South Carolina game this weekend down in Fayetteville, and the we had sausage from there, and I was like, yo, this is good as heck. And then I was like, what is Arkansas known for food-wise? And everyone looked at me crazy, and I was like, I'm from Connecticut, dude. Like, I don't know. So, But no one ever answered. Is it barbecue? Is it, like, sausage? Like, what is it? You know? So, But I will say the sausage was tremendous. I, I, you know what? I'm glad to see you expanding your horizons, man. I saw you before the Florida game. You saw the box of donuts I was carrying. And while I had tweeted them to you before and you were kind of hesitant, you saw the box of donuts and you were interested. And, but self discipline just at, at an all time high. You know, we're still, I can still put a bathing suit on at any time. Go, you'll go, Joe. You know, so I, I chose not to, but they looked amazing. As Dan Orlovsky has said to me often, a minute on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. So we, it's the we, way of life, champ. <laughs> All right, Dan, we got through the first weekend of NFL football this weekend, and I want to start with the top because am I wrong for thinking that right now, as far as quarterbacks in the NFL go, it's Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert, and then everybody else? Yeah, I mean, we get asked that question, right? Which Would you rather have Josh Allen or Justin or – they're all three of those guys are absolute superstars and you're going to win or have the chance to win Super Bowls because of them. I still go Joe put Joe Burrow in that conversation. I still put Aaron Rodgers in that conversation and Tom. So we were actually doing this yesterday. I, I, I think I counted like seven or eight guys that I sat here and I was like, dude, you, these are the seven or eight in the NFL right now that you win because of. I think Lamar was in there. I forget who the eighth guy that was in there that we were talking about, but Josh, the, the, the reality is that Josh, Justin, and Patrick just physically can do things that the other guys cannot do. And that, you know, there's stuff in the other guys' game that those guys can do as well that Josh and Justin and Patrick can't. But, I mean, Justin made five throws this weekend that literally made me say, wow, you know, and – it was like watching – I said this. It was like watching Captain Marvel fly through the air. That's what the football looks like. It's just 
goes through the intended target. Um, I, I, Patrick was the best I've seen him in two or three years when it comes came to the, in the pocket, sliding, trusting, moving, and then Josh was you know the best player in the league in in week one. I mean, he was just absolutely spectacular. When it comes to Patrick, so much got made of the wideouts they lost. Do you think there's something too now that there's not outside of maybe Travis Kelsey, one go-to guy on that team that's actually kind of forced Patrick back into some of this stuff? Yeah, it's going to force Patrick back into trusting his eyes as well. You know, I've said this. The Chiefs were incredible, right? One of the greatest offenses we've seen, but they weren't really difficult to prepare for. You knew, all right, these are the formations and this is what they're going to run more than likely. I, they will be more difficult to prepare for now because of the diversity of those pieces and how many different ones they've had and the different formations they can get into. Um, and I, you, you'll see a Patrick that is much more willing to trust his eyes and be progression-based and or coverage um, reactive rather than I've got Tyreek. That's not a knock on either player. We know Tyreek's great, but we will see a – I don't want to say a more efficient Patrick, a more um, a more deadly Patrick, I'd say. And seems to be highly motivated coming into this season. You hear guys that are close to that dude talk about what a competitor he is and yeah. not, not overly surprising. All right, Dan, from the guys you love turning on the tape and watching this week to the other end of this, I saw you tweeting about Mac Jones and the Patriots and saying what you saw on Sunday actually looked worse on the second watch. What was it about Mac Jones or the Patriots game plan in, in, in general that stuck out to you? Two things. Number one, they ran three different pass concepts four times each. So like, hey, this first pass concept, they ran that same concept four different times. And then another concept they ran four times. Like the repetitive nature of plays. And I've been around coaches who are like that. And we joke about it where, you know, the, the saying is they just throw things against the wall and hope that it sticks. And that's what it looked like. I mean, they ran the same play three times in the first 11 snaps of the game. Mirrored routes, too. When I say mirrored routes, Mike, it's, you know it. It's the same type of concept on either side. A quarterback, pick a side off leverage. Great. What happens if the leverage on both sides stinks? You know, so um, that and there's no answers anymore. You know, it, it, they're, they're going to the line of scrimmage with questions and there's no answers. The lack of protection, continuity, the protection plan is awful. And that's never been who New England is. Never. And they're getting their quarterback hit and or free runners on basic pressures. Basic. You know, and that's always been their secret sauce. More detailed, more connected, more communicative. So it's bad right now. I'm not shocked. You know, told people this all offseason this was going to be the case. And I was actually talking with Marcus about it yesterday, and the way I phrase it, dude, is this. When it comes to designing offensive plays, that's about my guys, my offensive players, right? I'm designing plays for what the quarterback likes, what he does well, what's my offensive line good at, who my receivers are, what they're good at, my backs. When it comes to calling plays, it's about the other guys, your defense. What is your defense good at? What is your defense bad at? Where can I attack your defense? What's that defensive tackle bad at? That defensive end, what's he bad and that's the difference. Right now, can Matt Patricia and or Joe Judge design an offense? Sure. They know football. Do they know how to call plays to uh, attack a defense in the right moment? Uh, I'm saying no. 
was that what we saw on the other side? Because everything you described there sounds a lot like what you could argue Mike McDaniel did for Tua on the other side offensively for Miami in week one. Yeah, you know, I love the way that they used Tua. You know, they were getting Tua with his motions going full speed, snapping the ball, and then getting him to his pass concept. Just imagine that for people, right? You're, you've got the fast one of the fastest cats in the league, and he's already has a full speed type of uh, he's already at full speed when the ball gets snapped. So the just the 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 amount of cushion that is going to create for Tua and that offense. I didn't love their their bootleg game. You know, their bootleg game's got to get better and him moving in the pocket in their in their like their commitment to the details of the backside and his um ball fakes got to get better but he threw the ball really well he was wildly accurate it came out on time he did all the right things with his eyes like that's the thing that people that fourth and seven you know to waddle that's the that's the play for me is made by two of moving the backside backward to open up the window because if he doesn't um that play's not made so yeah mcdaniel was very impressive Dan, one of the things I was, I think, most surprised by this weekend was all of the reaction to what went on in Chicago with Trey Lance and that 49ers offense in a monsoon there. I looked at that and said, all right, I want to see what that guy does on a dry field before I'm going to freak out. I thought there was some stuff to work with in the first half, but walk me through, what did you see from Trey Lance in game one for him as the starter? Yeah, to your point, worst case scenario for him when it comes to weather-wise getting that first start of the season and as the starter. What I saw was you see some of the nice, talented arm playmaking throws, those chunk crossers. I would say to this, two things. In that offense, when your coach dials up the winner, you got to hit it. And he did with, with that Y leak, he misses it. And the second thing I'd say is this, but it's not surprising to me, my, like, Dude, we can't expect him to just go out and operate and execute at the same level as Jimmy. We can't as, as fans, and I don't believe their, their organization does. He mechanically is flawed. You know, The mechanics have to do two things. They got to tighten up, and they got to get faster. Like The perfect example is the Eddie Jackson interception. Mm. That pass concept should be like catch and throw, essentially. He catch one, two, three hitches. That's a fixable thing, but it just, he's got to live that world of just having, having those things mechanically happen faster. It's just, it, that's, I believe that's very difficult when you have to look at the 52 other guys and be like, man, we're trying to win. I mean, for that reason, do you think we see Jimmy at all this season? Can you do that at the point they're at with this? I, it's hard, man. I, it, it's really hard. I said this about Patrick last year. Patrick was mechanically so bad last year, and I said it's hard to fix it during the season. He righted it a little bit. Do I believe that we see Jimmy? Um, I don't believe that we see Jimmy for a lack of performance. Injury, I can't say, right? But la- I just it's really hard for quarterbacks to play bad for Kyle. They usually play really well. Um, and I still think the young man is tremendously talented. Dan, was there anyone from week one I haven't mentioned who really stuck out to you quarterback-wise or otherwise that you think isn't getting the attention they deserve on this? Yeah, I mean, I got my notes right here, so let me look at these games real fast, champ. So, I mean, Jalen Hurts was awesome with, with his playmaking, you know, scrambling outside the pocket, saving their football team a couple times. Um, I thought Lamar was really good, but I got big issues with Baltimore's offensive spacing in their pass game. That's still an issue. 
Jameis Winston was a 10 out of 10, dude. Like he, here's the thing. First half, Jameis was really good with knowing where to go with the football. He had a couple misses, and they didn't protect him great. Second half, he was phenomenal. If that second half was done by the elite name-wise, we would be raving about it. But I thought Jameis was lights out in the second half of that football game. I thought Carson Wentz played tremendous. Um, my favorite thing about Carson this week was, one, they were ultra-aggressive and creative offensively, but – you know, I've learned to realize that Carson's a roller coaster, man. You're gonna, the highs are as good as they are, and the lows are like, yo, bro. The difference this week, at least week one, was the lows happened. He threw back-to-back picks, one on an out route, um, and then one on a screen against an opponent that dominated him to not get into the playoffs last year. And you could start to see the moment you were like, this is, this is what he's kind of become known for. And he led back-to-back touchdown drives and – Big time throws on those drives, couple third down, whole shot. I thought he played tremendous football. Um, so those are probably guys that Kirk played really good for Minnesota, but Justin Jefferson's not a, not a human being. Um, yeah, those those are the guys that stood out the most. Speaking of that Justin Jefferson game, because it got me thinking about there was a lot of success before we got to Nathaniel Hackett and what happened in Denver for head coaches making their debuts with new teams. You see a lot of offensive play callers, especially making that leap. Is there a, is there a head coach or a play caller that you watched this weekend and said, man, if I was a player in this league right now, I'd love to be playing for that guy. I would love to go and buy what he's selling right now. Yeah. I'll give you a name. He's not that new as a, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Arthur Smith. Mm -hmm. I mean, the creativity of their offense, the movement that he's got going on, the way he's using Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I'd say he's really high on that list for me of, of uh, really fun. They got to find ways to win games, there's no doubt, but really, really fun coach to be around. Yeah, no, impressive stuff from him all across the board, man. It was uh, even the post-game press conference, the little bit of fire that we got from him. Him and Rob Sala were a little t- – they came a little salty to the podium this week. Yeah, I get it too. I mean, you you got that team on the ropes essentially and really like – Marcus fumbles a snap on third and one, I think, or third and two, and they get the ball back. I mean, if you you don't even try to get the playoff, so to speak, I can't be – I can't imagine how frustrating that would have been. Yeah, there was a a lot of frustration to go around this weekend uh, for everyone involved. One thing I did – I know I mentioned Denver briefly – I know we've gone over that final sequence with a fine-tooth comb, man. In the aftermath, Dan, if you're Russ and Nathaniel Hackett and you're looking over that, Hackett came out after the game and said that was their plan. They wanted to get their kicker to that spot. They felt like that was comfortable there. As you digest this after, what's that conversation like after between Russell Wilson and your head coach who's the offensive play caller? So, great question. We're actually going to do this on live today. Uh, I'd say this. So, I've gone back and forth, man, right? The fourth and sixth call, my view on it, Mike, is like, how did it get to that, right? Like, how did it actually get to that? Because, and this is what I'm doing today. So, with two minutes and 33 seconds on the clock, they got second and four in that two-minute drill, right? They got three timeouts, the two-minute warning, and Seattle gets a guy on defense to get hurt. We're talking five clock stoppages, potentially, right? Second and three, or excuse me, second and four, 233 on the clock. They run the football, get two yards. Now we're at third and two. They let the ball go all the way down to the two-minute warning. Fine. It's essentially another timeout, right? It's third and two at the start of the two-minute warning. At, on this sideline in that moment, this should be the conversation. 
hey, fellas, when we get our first down, this is the play we go to. This is the play that we're going to go to, right? So once we get this first down, no matter where it goes or what the play result is, we're getting this first down, right? First down happens. Mike, they don't snap the ball again until 124. 36 seconds are off the clock. That's issue number one. Number two, the play of the game for me is that first down play because they throw that screen pass to Javante. Yeah. Cody Barton makes the play. If he don't make that play, we ain't getting fourth and, third, fourth and six, man. Javante Williams hitting his head on the goalpost. It's a touchdown. So the play is a tremendous play to be made. So now we're at second and 14. Call timeout. This, these, are, these are two massive plays. You got three timeouts. Call timeout. What's the play that we want to get to? Because you can only get to so much in your no-huddle fast package, right? In that moment, if I'm Ross and I got to pop this timeout, hey, what's the play that we love the most? And So we, don't, we, we could get to third and three maybe. You know, and so the, the lack of the timeout in that situation leads to that incomplete pass, bounce ball, and then you're at third and 15, and we're like, oh, now we're in a bad situation, dude, you know? So just I really thought the two-minute warning conversation could not have been as detailed as it should have been, and I think that in that play by Cody Barton like, loses the game, essentially. And I one of the points that I'm going to make today is like, the big thing for Denver, because it's obviously very loud on the outside right now, is you can't allow that now to affect how you're going to do business in the future decision-making-wise. You can't next week on 4th and 8 at the 30-yard line just get overly aggressive because you don't want people to think that you're you know, cautious. You know, So um, I just the, the whole management of it and the wildest part, and I know I'm going here a little bit, bud, but the wildest part to me is the start of that drive, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman put up the graphic that he's second in the league in the last two years with fourth quarter comebacks. So he's been in that world a bunch. And then Nathaniel Hackett comes from Green Bay, who Aaron Rodgers is like the best in the league at it over the last couple of years. And to handle it that poorly with those two cats, it's, it's like I can't blame it on first time head coach, you know? Yeah, no, I, I'm stunned. And you talk about the effect that that crowd had had of the game all day, all the pre snap penalties. Russ, while he had experienced that as the home quarterback and obviously hadn't dealt with the noise, he knew what that place is capable of. I'm sure if anyone was going to be able to tell that team what they were walking into, it was Russ, which made it yeah. surprising to me across the board for that team. Yeah, and that's and that's part of the reason why I don't you you don't want to react. I mean, two fumbles on the one yard line and the 14 penalties. Those 14 penalties, you know, just doing the equations of it gave Seattle or took away 10 total points in that football game. So you're not going to play that poorly again if you're Denver. So while you lose, you're like, man, there are – the coaches will find the positives of it. So I'm not going to overreact. But, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a game that you sit there and go, we gave that one away. Now you got to go win two that you shouldn't. It's great insight, man, especially that final sequence. It's awesome stuff, and that's why everyone obviously should watch NFL Live every day with you and the rest of the crew. Buddy, I appreciate it. I hope you keep you expanding it, your food horizons every weekend on the road. I'm going to have a salad tonight. Thank you. <laughs> the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, 
Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation? You can decide right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So, Brandon, in the NBA yesterday, we had the conclusion to an investigation that went back to November of 2021 after ESPN published a story detailing allegations of racism and misogyny against Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury owner Robert Sarver um, that now has resulted in this. Robert Sarver has been suspended one year and fined $10 million by the NBA as a result of the investigation into the Suns franchise. He is... Obviously, in addition to being fined $10 million, not allowed to like represent the uh, institutions or be at the facilities and all the stuff that they usually do to try and make it seem like they're doing something in this statement, Brandon. Um, it is surprising in a lot of ways because the reaction that we saw almost uni- universally across the board to this, and for anyone who forgets what the allegations and the key findings were in this investigation, per the investigation, it said, Mr. Sarver, on at least five occasions during his tenure with the Sons and Mercury organization, repeated the N-word when recounting the statement of others, which, God, white people love nothing more than to try and qualify mm. that by saying, well, he was just repeating something. But yes. I digress. Uh, Mr. Sarver engaged in instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees, made many sex-related comments in the workplace, made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women, and on several occasions engaged in inappropriate physical contact towards male employees. He also engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, including yelling and cursing at them. Now, Brandon, he is worth about $2 billion, and so... While $10 million feels like a substantial sum of money and the NBA is going to do what they usually do and I believe that fine is going to go towards causes that have to do with um, workplace inequity or something of that sort where they take that fine money and try to put it towards causes that they see as tangent to the issue at hand here. Everyone's basically looking at this and saying, that's it? And with understandable reason with this commissioner in particular. Now, they use the same firm to do the investigation in this as they have in the past, including the case of Donald Sterling, the former Clippers Mm -hmm. owner Mm -hmm. who was ousted as one of the league's owners after the audio uh, surfaced of his racially charged comments made to his former mistress. And Brandon, that was three months onto the job. For anyone who forgets it, Adam Silver just got here at that point. He had been the commissioner for all of three months before he was faced with the task of that leaked audio and what to do with it. And it ended up being that 
he was fined. So, like, for instance, now, that $10 million fine is the maximum fine allowed under the current CBA. This is usually what we see in these cases where we look at these numbers and say they're too little. They're usually collectively bargained, and so it's all that they can do. It was $2.5 million, I think, when Donald Sterling was still in wow. charge of the Clippers, which is hilarious right. to yeah. think about. Yeah. And so, but it was the same process where he was suspended and then... His place as an owner had to be voted on by the other owners in the NBA and had to be passed right. by, I believe, a 75% vote at that point. But the mounting public pressure, how untenable it was made by other people around the league. You remember back then the Clippers, who were led by Chris Paul at the time, who's been a high-ranking member of the Players Association for a long time in the league, went out before their game with the Golden State Warriors, had their uh, warm-up shirts flipped inside out, and then discarded them at half court as their sign of protest. And Brandon, with that in the back burner, when you look at this and what happened now, where you had, back then, Donald Sterling ousted for comments that he made privately that became publicly that were talking about him being upset with his mistress being seen with black men, referenced her being at games with Magic Johnson, and said one of the more wild quotes and sound bites about Magic Johnson that have come to light in recent memory. Our friends at the Levitard show had a ton of fun with that one. But you had that go on there where private comments were made public and then he was ousted from his position. And now here, you have someone who made these comments in private, but in the workplace, to the people right. that were his employees in the workplace, created a toxic workplace environment for his ownership that spanned something like 17 years. But because there wasn't any sort of audio or video, ain't shit gonna happen. And Brandon, all this does is underscore that there is no more powerful force of nature to the people making decisions than audio or video. Like, your actions matter so much less than the ability of that league to be able to fend off the negative PR. And when you've got something like the Ray Rice video, when you've got something like those Donald Sterling tapes, now all of a sudden that noise becomes too much. You had sponsors pulling out back then. I can't recall, because the story again was written back in November, if there had been anything in the wake of sponsors pulling out or people pulling back from the Suns or Mercury because of this. But so much of that was money talk, league scared, Adam Silver at the time maybe feeling like he had to make more of a statement about what his tenure was going to be versus now where you've got these findings and much like we just went through in the NFL where it spelled out very clearly in the case of Deshaun Watson as they reviewed those four cases of sexual assault allegations we believe through a preponderance of evidence that this guy did these things but we can only punish him so much but we'll right. only punish him so much but we'll fall back on precedent and all these other things that can go in. And in their defense in that, with Ray Rice, they gave him two games because at that time that was the precedent. But Ray Rice's place in the league, largely due to what he w was as a player at that point, was gone forever. And for Donald Sterling, you had audio in that in a league that is comprised largely and you know, um, you know, largely of black men. And so that was a no-go. And now you've got this and a bunch of people looking and going, is that really the only thing you're going to accept to do what everyone involved and plenty of the people who had cooperated with the investigation are looking at the Suns and the NBA and saying, you let us down. We, we, we gave you this and we told you what happened here. It was similar and again, in, some, in a lot of ways worse than what we saw from Donald Sterling. But because yeah. you don't have audio of this, but because your reporting and your investigation into this 
found that all of this stuff was happening. We just laid out to you. That was all from the report that was done by the NBA or the firm that the NBA hires. And the people that trusted them with this are looking and saying, so you found out that he said worse to us in our workplace, but you won't fire him because you didn't hear him say it yourself is a wild reminder that this is not about one league having moral superiority over another. This is right. not about one league legislating these things better than another. It is, again, about all of these people being so driven by money and the fear of negative PR when you've got something more concrete, even more concrete than the documents you commissioned someone to find, that that is right. apparently the only thing that will move the needle in these categories for people making decisions on behalf of these leagues. I mean, it's hard for me not to see these results and findings and conclusions and not put on my conspiracy theory brother hat mike like i think donald sterling was old at the i mean he was old he was old obviously but i think he was he was on his way out and if not it seemed like the nba owners had incentive to help him get get out of there because he owned the clippers a very attractive uh team in la that i'm sure steve balmer uh or I'll say it like this. Adam Silver knew he had buyers around when they were getting ready to push Adam Silver uh, or uh, Donald Sterling out of the NBA and, and push him out of being an owner for the Clippers. I don't know if that's the same case for Sarver, and especially uh, apparently they don't really care as much. I, th I know they've done some other PR stuff like hiring some specific people in power to, to make this thing look good. Uh, well, and that seems to kind of be the formula that we've seen, right? You look at what the Washington yes. football team did in the wake of everything that went on with Dan Snyder. We will make hires go out there and support this idea that we are making change. And it's not to demean the people that were hired. Again, these are deserving people who are put in an entirely unfair position of having to go in and be pointed at as the solution to problems that predate them. It's always felt unfair when that's happened, even if you love seeing people that especially come from backgrounds who are women, who are minorities, who are getting opportunities that have for so long been held away from them. It's one of those things where the ends of that for the people involved you love to see but what it's being done in the name of often feels so unfair to them because it's not going to stop. Like every also, time something comes up about these transgressions, they're going to point and say, well, look what we did. Look at how we're changing because we brought these people into the building. Right. And that's, I'm glad you said into the building, Mike, because that's the problem. I think that that doesn't get talked about or thought about enough. These people have these jobs, but they have to go into the building where a lot of things are messed up at the root like something's rotten in denmark uh to go back to hamlet like the, it, it feels wrong within those walls systematically and then these people are put on the top of this shit pile as the like the groom in in uh the brides on the top of a wedding cake as if that's going to change or make people think differently about the type, the pile of shit that they're standing on. When this first came out back in the day, you saw a bunch of people in the Phoenix community come out at like community, uh, what is it, like town hall meetings and just like, can we get this owner up out of here? Like, can we get a, a good name put back on our franchise? Uh, we want to do things differently. Phoenix already has a bunch of negative stuff pulled around it when it comes to diversity and, and how minorities are, are treated there. It's, it's a bad look to have him own a team 
uh, there. And this one year suspension feels like that, like George, George Steinbrenner when he got in trouble, like finding out, like trying to get dirt on uh, that, that pitcher back in the day when he had to leave the Yankees for uh, X amount of time just to come back later on. Like it, one year isn't long enough. And also it, it feels empty at the top for African-Americans looking at the NBA trying to like, hey, do right by this. But guess, guess what? This guy has some pretty deep pockets. So the longest we can probably keep him away is a year. Well, and remember with suspensions too, because it's a good point. With ownership versus the players, that's always something that comes up when you think about CBA negotiations, right? True. Where when they're negotiating, it's so much more disadvantageous for players to strike and actually sit out time because they've got limited windows where their bodies can hold up and do the thing that's going to get them paid handsomely. For these owners, these are these are teams that they can own for as long as they want. So asking him to go away for a year and just not be around it when he can come back and then continue to own the team in perpetuity until he dies or passes it on or sells it for a massive profit the way we've seen plenty of these guys do. All of that goes back to underscore that suspending an owner for a year and suspending a player for a year are in no way, shape, or form the same thing. And that's why everyone's looking at this and saying, you essentially did nothing. You find yeah. a billionaire $10 million and you told him to go do something else, which most yes. of these guys have made their money doing something else. So it's not a difficult thing for them to do relative to what you would do when you would punish a player for the same, for things, for similar accusations or similar violations under the collective bargaining agreement. So it's ridiculous and it continues to send the message that none of this is really about what we see is done it's what we can defend publicly absolutely but if these complaints were brought to hr you know that player would be asked to be moved like this is a uh... oh that was the other wild part about this is they basically said their hr department was a non-compete like historically inept at going and making their employees feel like they could be valued or heard in the workspace so we can't put past anything with the way that phoenix sun's pr or uh, hr was described in this findings like that's that's I, how I, deep that's this all went <laughs> Right, and it, I, my issue with it is, it's not a slap on the wrist at all. If anything, it was a, it was a, it was telling server, uh, server to to put his hand out, and then they looked at the hand and was like, okay, now the next time you do something like this, we're gonna hit it, we're gonna hit the hand. But right now, we just let you know that when you put your hand out, you have to. We just let you know that we have some power in this thing. Not enough to punish you in, in a real way and not enough for you to actually get the counseling that you need so you don't start talking to your employees this way and, and become a better human, but enough to let you know that, hey, we're watching you. Well, and the other wild part about this is, and we'll talk in a second about who now may have the power, and it's always unfortunate that it comes down to this, but we mentioned before, repeated use of the N-word, engaged in uh, instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees, sex-related comments, engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, but then the release also noted that the investigation, quote, made no findings that Mr. Sarver's workplace misconduct was motivated by racial or gender-based animus. Huh? Like, what? Ha how? Yeah, how? How? How are you going to try and convince us of that? And I think just as importantly, Brandon, now I wonder how you convince the players of that. Because we mentioned Chris Paul is kind of the through line of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chris Paul was a part of that Clippers team and is now as a leader on this Suns team. And 
Because this always seems to come down to what the players are willing to point at and say no to. Because Adam Silver, like we always say about Roger Goodell, works for the owners. Mm -hmm. That's what a commissioner does. They are out there to take the bullets for the people that pay a lot of money to own these basketball teams or football teams or whatever. And so generally, he's only going to push back so much. He had the ability to because of the existence of tapes to make that real easy because, again, of how we operate. And in this one, we haven't heard from him yet. So I'd be very curious to hear what Adam Silver has to say about this, but now also what we're going to hear from players because um, there was just an article in Rolling Stone about Steph Curry. There was a profile done on him by Matt Sullivan that followed him around and talked about a lot of stuff. Steph's off-the-court endeavors uh, around the world of golf, his his deal that now is reportedly uh, a lifetime deal in the works with Under Armour and him worth over a billion dollars. It, it was all a bunch of things. But one of the things in there talked a bit about Steph's role as sort of a, you know, a silent activist or, or however they wanted to phrase it in there. And one of the things that they said got brought up in their conversations over the summer for this article was that Steph expressed remorse over not boycotting their playoff game against the Clippers. The one I talked about where the Clippers went to midcourt and threw down their jerseys, Steph basically said in the conversations for this article, he had had conversations with Chris Paul about them going out there and then after tip-off, walking off the court. And Steph basically expressed regret in that they didn't take advantage of a moment where they had incredible leverage to go and affect the outcome of this situation. And ultimately, the outcome of that situation ended up being Donald Sterling not owning a team anymore. But just with that as a recent headline, and now this coming out, albeit not with a team that Steph Curry is a part of, if he expressed remorse about that, and you've got a league of players who in the last few years especially have been more empowered to lend their voices to things and see how much that can push and affect dollars, I do wonder, because this is an off-season headline right now. These guys aren't around facilities. These guys aren't in the places where they would be in a season where you'd immediately have a microphone in Chris Paul's face right now or Monty Williams' face right now. And Right, wrong, or indifferent, they would be made to ask questions or answer questions again for the sins of the person who owns the team that writes their checks so i do wonder if and when we will hear from them and what that's going to look and sound like now based off a punishment that most people look at and say no this is far below what needs to be done well i mean there's already been former sons employees that have come out and said that hearing about the ruling was traumatizing all over again right so i'm hoping that with his presence not in the building that more things can come up there's more people feel more um you know less afraid to speak up and and hopefully maybe this this absence can be extended once more findings can come out but like like we've been talking about this entire time they shouldn't need more oh almost almost short-circuited they shouldn't need more to have him be away from the team for longer or get the team taken away from completely or get fined uh more money and i know it's it's, it's, he's it's not about the money it's about the power so we got to take that away from him first and foremost yep and this is the other part of this is we just went through something not all that dissimilar when mark cuban got talked about and some of the things that went on inside the dallas mavericks building you always wonder how much of this is about other owners not being willing to punish someone for things that may or may not be going on in other buildings around the league that maybe people don't want to find out. We just went through that with the Washington football team and all those emails that miraculously never got opened or never got released to the public 
after everything that happened with John Gruden. So just another unfortunate reminder in the world of sports that the cries of people that work for these organizations are only heard when there is evidence that can make these leagues look bad enough to actually do something that lasts and that makes a difference in all of this. Wow, is that depressing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wow, is that not the note that we want to end on? But one of the biggest stories in sports, and will continue to be. So we're going to hit that one. But uh, Brandon, shake it off, shake it out, wipe the sweat off our brow, stop thinking about In-N-Out Burger being a substandard burger, and ask the important question that's on everybody's mind, which is, Brandon, do you know what time it is? I do, Mike. We can do whatever we want to Hey there Delilah, here's to you This one's for you Oh, it's this that in the third 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 This that in the third A thousand miles seems pretty far, but they got planes and trains and takes, and I'd walk to you. Fuck God. That song. was the go-to in the arsenal, the first bullet in the chamber for every college-aged male who pretended to know how to play guitar. I'm talking to you, Braxton, from the from the years of 2008 to 2012. That's amazing. I, hey, that, Mike, when it hit the streets, when it hit the streets, Mike, I was like, ooh, I didn't know they could still do this. I didn't know we could still do lo-fi bangers. Like, thank God. It was a low-T banger. It brought it brought the heat while barely getting above a whisper, and we all oh appreciate that. If you yes. appreciated that, by the way, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review and tell Brandon how much you enjoyed that. And while you're leaving us a five-star rating and a review and hopefully checking out at Gojo Show on Twitter, you can also make sure that you support the people that support us, and that would be our friends at Knockaround Sunglasses. Knockaround Damn. Sunglasses, remember, we've been telling you, cost about $30 a pair, super affordable, they ship fast, there's 15 different frames and a ton of different colors. Me and Brandon have a, both have a bunch of different ones, get to wear them all different times. I literally had one of my friends take them off my face, decide they looked better on her, and never give them back to me. It's theft, Carly, but... I'll allow it because it's the name of spreading the good word about our friends at Knockaround Sunglasses. Over a billion possible combos in the Knockaround Custom Shop. Perfect for going out on a run. Lightweight. Great clarity. They got that rubber nose. They don't move around on you. Rock solid, even when you're sweating like me. 
knockaround sunglasses are high quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price so check out their range of shades go to knockaround.com and use promo code gojo that's g-o-j-o for 20 percent off at checkout again 30 dollars a pair knockaround.com promo code gojo 20 percent off that that's around six dollars it's a beautiful thing brandon yes let's get to this Let's do this it. was something that you made me aware of. Like I had been offline a little bit in the last couple of days relative to my normal <laughs> standard. And so I had missed some of what had been going on in TikTok surrounding Halle Bailey, who was now going to be the star of the upcoming live action Little Mermaid movie that Disney yes. prepared at the D23 over the weekend. The trailer they put out has over 11 million views. And at the critical moment, the most memeable moment, you have... Um, Halle Bailey singing part of their world or part of your world, which is like the biggest well-known banger from the little mermaid. And you had people that were filming for TikTok the reaction of their young girls reaction, specifically young black and brown girls who were looking up and seeing someone who looks like them as the little mermaid talking about the, you know, importance of representation and all this, all this beautiful stuff that was apparently also kind of warring with a lot of the very racist backlash that this had gotten when it was first announced in 2019. So, Brandon, how, how were you digesting this on the internet yesterday as this all went down? Well, obviously, it's the, uh, how most black people uh, take things in on the internet, the two Americas thing, because it was, it was uh, I got my antennas up talking about how many people were excited to see uh, a, a black Ariel for The Little Mermaid. I want to mention, though, too, this movie doesn't come out till May 26th, 2023. So we have some time. The the people, you know how Disney does, just like Apple, they, like, you know, get you excited way, 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 way too early. But it allows all the hate to, to kind of, you know, hype up the the production so there was all kinds of things like this looks fake she doesn't look like she's underwater you can't really tell you shouldn't be able to tell how red her hair is why she have dreads uh, and all of these things around the fact that this wonderful uh 22 year old woman who sings beautifully grew up loving ariel has the opportunity to be the little mermaid okay so the 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 reactions are out there. People are filming. People uh, react to having a black Little Mermaid. Obviously, like I said, some some of the white parents that are putting it out there are trying to say like this is bullshit because it's supposed to be representation for redheads, not other diversities. Like there's enough there's enough redhead little girls out there that just need Ariel uh, at their back to, to wake up every morning. Like this is this is blasphemy. And then obviously you got a lot of black people that are very proud to see this thing switch and change. But this mic has a lot to do with what's going on recently. We're getting a lot of people write about how they're very upset to see these characters, fictional or not, casted by black people. Now, Game of Thrones, I know you've been watching Corlys. Uh, he's, he's a, a House a, of the Dragon for just for, for okay, accuracy's sake. Sorry about that. Yes, House of the Dragon. And Corleus, the actor who plays him, he got a bunch of uh, hate mail about being uh, casted in this uh, world as a black man with white hair. People had issues with it. Uh, now that the the Lord of the Rings series is on, 
Um, uh, Rings Amazon of Power Prime. that's on Amazon, I believe. Yeah. Yes, Amazon Rings of Power. There's some Black Hobbits that people are getting pissed off about. So, uh, black people can't be vampires or hobbits or Little Mermaids. Like we can't even be down the street around uh, certain people. So I think it's great that people are telling on themselves, but it is ridiculous to to the thought that like a centaur from Harry Potter can't be casted as a black person. Like uh, it's it's nice to see that people's heads are still kind of uh, in. I would say 2020, but like it's kind of <laughs> it's been people kind of telling on themselves about their their racial preferences. Uh, but I just love this opportunity to talk to bring it up again, uh, just because the other side of the fence, as we said, is people being empowered by this and excited to see representation on screen, especially a huge movie like uh, The Little Mermaid. There's a bunch of people under to see, like all the people in uh, what's uh, Atlantis, like. I, I I I wouldn't expect to see all of one color down there, Mike. And if there are whites, they got to be pretty pale, right? Like, I mean, we could have a conversation about how much sunlight maybe reaches Atlantis and what that would do to melanin levels in certain people's skin. Like, if you want to take this way too far about the racial makeup of a fictional city underwater, but that's just the point. That's kind of ridiculous. Like. We're talking about acts of fiction, and I understand when it comes to fantasy, there's this weird unholy allegiance to the main texts of these. We see it all the Ooh. time pop up with Games of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, where whatever George R. R. Martin writes, or J.R.R. Tolkien writes, or any of these fantasy authors, they're like, you gotta hug that to the letter of the law. And usually, right. that's with things that are relatively less at stake, like plot elements, and my, you know details about certain things, and how they branch off from that, which I understand. The, the skin tone of the people involved, like, goddamn, if it was written with all white people involved, maybe there's a reason that was done at the time that's probably not super okay now about the way that we perceive who was allowed yes. where and when. So it just feels like a wild thing to get upset about, Brandon. And it uh, it does lead me back to a TikTok that I want to talk to you about, though. Oh, do tell. The TikTok that you sent me. Of the young white girl watching this video. <laughs> yes, yes. This was a, this was one that I, after going down a, a a rabbit hole of reactions that bothered me to see you know our white brethren so upset to see a, a black Ariel. There's this one that uh, takes the cake, Mike. It's it's this young white girl sitting on the couch watching the preview and whoever her parent or whoever is is filming the reaction getting ready for this and you see this she girl got stink giving face on. she got the stink face the whole time like she looks confused why she's being filmed she's not exactly sure what's going on and then at the end of the video turns to the camera pauses for a moment and says with a deep southern accent is is that supposed to be Whitney Houston <laughs> She said, is that just me or is that Whitney Houston? <laughs> Which, Brandon, Which we can talk about the underlying like racial connotations of that. I am amazed that a girl that young, I mean, we're talking about little kids that are being shown right? this right now. Little kids who would be in the age demo of going to see this somehow still knowing who Whitney Houston is. Like, part of me is like, oh man, is this like a good moment where... Somehow yes. this young lady is still aware who Whitney Houston is and appreciates the legacy that she left behind. I was confused about how it was supposed to feel here outside of laughing my whole ass off. As I start watching them, I start thinking to myself, 
how would Haley Bailey be watching this, right? And that's when, in that moment there, I was like, oh, she's got to be proud that some random little six-year-old white girl heard her singing her ass off a uh, Little Mermaid song. And she was like, mom, is that Whitney Houston? <laughs> like, that's a good cop. Right, like it's less it's less like the usual all black people look alike thing that people fall back on as a racial trope and more wow, you've got a beautiful voice and this young girl just hasn't been alive long enough to really know a lot of black people. Or know that Whitney Houston's no longer with us. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Uh but I I I do want I do want to say that I think that uh one of my favorite things to think about cuz you know, stereotypes are bad, but you know, if you've seen Blazing Saddles, you know it can be funny. Um, the thought of a black dragon. <laughs> I just can't stop thinking about what they would do with a black dragon, Mike. And I won't sleep until I figure it out. So <laughs> I don't Brandon. want to, no one no one review to us and let us know what you think about black dragons. Take that to yourself, talk about it amongst your friends. But uh, I won't sleep until I get it all the way beat out of what a black dragon does. Yeah, this is one of those things that it is okay for Brandon to wonder and have these dreams. Anyone, especially the people that look like me, who are downloading, subscribing, and rating, reviewing this show, mind your business. This isn't, this isn't the time. You don't hear me saying shit right now, because I know better than to step on that one. I know parts that don't belong to me right now, and wondering about what would entail a black dragon in the world of Game of Thrones, that ain't where I'm about to live. Not on God's oh, internet, man. not on this podcast, okay. not on anywhere. But Brandon, when not you today. do figure that out, please get back to me and send me whatever you come up with on Photoshop, because I want to laugh. <laughs> I got you. All right, appreciate it. All right, let's get to that now, Brandon. Um, that, I want to give you a little statement about animals, Brandon. Because I don't know if you know this. As we look and talk about all sorts of different types of animal species, Dominique Foxworth, who we'll talk to later this week on that podcast, is always a big fan of exotic animals here. But I feel like laying some basic groundwork for people is always pretty good. And I don't know if you know this or not, okay. Brandon, but lions are not dogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm following. And while you would think, Mike, of course lions aren't dogs. They're big cats. Totally different species, totally different yes. shit going on under the hood there. Well, Brandon, <laughs> the only place, and this would make a great riddle if I had set it up this way. What's the only place that lions can be dogs? Ooh. The NFL, and that Mike. is the world of sports, Brandon, because the Detroit Lions have been underdogs for 24 consecutive games. It had been the longest active streak in the NFL. Brandon, crazy. won't he do it? Look at God, because at a number of sports books out there, the Detroit Lions going into their game this weekend against the Washington Commanders are favorites in this game. Underdogs, no more, Brandon. The grit from our friend Dan Campbell, who almost got it. I thought he was going to come back and find a way to make those Eagles hurt a little bit in this game. True. Dan Campbell now being rewarded for what he put on tape. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites at DraftKings Sportsbook as of the recording of this podcast, Brandon. And I am yes. thrilled, man. Hard Knocks Kool-Aid ingested in my veins. All me and my sister do is basically send each other memes about Dan Campbell because she, my sister, who was a college athlete but hasn't lived and died with sports all along, got weirdly into basketball last year and is all in on the Detroit Lions now. Could not love Dan Campbell and this team more. Lauds the grit and is all in on the Lions train. So I can imagine my sister is thrilled right now that the Lions are no longer dogs and getting the respect they deserve. 
Only Sydney would get really into basketball, and then the result of that is her being a Detroit Lions fan. Brandon, it was so weird. Like her husband was a pro football player. My sister worked for the uh, for the NFL league office or interned yes. for the league office. Worked for the Cleveland Browns. Worked for the Chicago Bears. Met her husband, who is a player for the Chicago Bears. Has me and my brother, who both played college football. My dad, who played in the NFL, has all of that around her, but. For some reason, you know, just was never as casual a sports fan about watching it until this last year. My sister would text us every day asking if there was an NBA playoff game on that night. And then if she somehow made it through an evening where we forgot to tell her, she was beside herself because she had missed out on her chance to watch basketball. And now all she wants to do is consume the Lions. She's, my sister's always had weird habits. She would, with shows, go through these habits where she would watch one show. And I'm sure a lot of kids do this, but she would get binge one show. So it would be... The Brady Bunch for three weeks straight. Nothing but Brady Bunch episodes. I watched like 12 cycles of America's Next Top Model because she got into that. Mary-Kate Nashley, uh, Mary Nashley Olsen movies. Tiger Cruise and all that shit. Been, yeah. been there. Seen yeah. all that stuff. So it's... She ate butter for a while. Like just packets of butter when we would go out to restaurants. You know those packets you get with the plastic? She would just take a knife and dig the butter out and eat it on the end of a knife like a savage. So she's got weird taste, but it's brought her to Dan Campbell. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. All roads lead to the right place. Exactly where you are. This is where you're supposed to be. Man, the last time Detroit was favorite, they were a one-point favorite over P.J. Walker's Carolina Panthers, November 22nd of 2020. So, Ooh. congrats to Dan Campbell and company, man. Although, I got to say, part of it's a little... Than I thought. Yeah, it is more recent than I thought. And also, like, they are at home, so usually you get the three-point love for being at home. The Commanders got a nice win against Jacksonville where they were able right. to get out of their own way you know when we talked to Dan he thought Carson Wentz a lot of people thought Carson Wentz had some really good moments in that game so yeah nonetheless the Lions getting the respect that they deserve we love to see it but Brandon it's time to get to the third because the third maybe the biggest news out there courtesy of the verified Twitter account of EA Sports College the official count for EA Sports College football they tweeted for those who never stop believing, college football is coming back with a graphic picturing a field covered in confetti as a celebration that they're going to bring back what used to be NCAA football. And now, because the NCAA is not going to get a dime from this, will be EA College Football. Brandon, where are you at with the excitement meter on this? Is this something that you actually care about happening? Like, I don't remember how much you played NCAA when we were in college. Yeah, Mike, it's uh, mixed feelings for sure about a lot of different things. It's like, you know, the, the your university always gets cooler after you leave. It's kind of one of those things. But I also don't have a lot of time for video games, but I do like the concept of playing them because uh, it, it really does feel good picking a, a, a mid-major school and beating a, a big a big school in an upset on that video game. Like, it just, it just hits different. But back in the day, Mike, when we were getting started with it, it was all about looking up where we were and our attributes and back then it was only by number uh i remember freshman year when we all kind of got the game and was looking it up to everyone together and was like oh look at this look at this oh john goodman look 81 you got black skin it's like all these different little things that that was were different and then there was the lawsuit that i missed out on basically you could have filed for x amount of you could have signed in and say how many years you were uh there and then ea had to pay you x amount of dollars for your like images uh, name, image, and likeness uh, for being on the EA Sports game. So 
I'm happy that it's will be back in our lives, Mike. But I'm I I only liked it based on the functionality that it gave us. It was very different than Madden. Like it gave us something different than the re- traditional Madden video game. But also it was like you know. It was college football, so I, I I like it in theory, but it's one of those things like I really realize it. This is like really great on paper. Once it gets into people's hands, I'm really not sure how it's going to fsh up. I will say I'm happy for the next generation of young people because we also know part of sports now and the popularity that can grow them is kids getting their hands on video games. A lot of people attribute the growing popularity of soccer or European football in this country to FIFA and what that game meant to so many people. The NFL does Madden tournaments all the time. So in theory, you'll get to capitalize on that. But it's also going to be nice because I'd imagine they're going to have some Legends mode where you can unlock because the last one was in 2014. So we missed the Lamar Jacksons of the world. We missed a lot of other guys on the marquee, the 2019 LSU team. like Some things that will just be wholly unfair that you'll be able to identify the dick in your friend group who is just always going to be Lamar Jackson's Louisville team and just make it look like Mike Vick out there and Madden just be totally unfair. I want that for kids. I want them to get to experience that joy and knowing that this is probably going to lead to some sort of group licensing agreement and the college kids are probably going to continue to get paid off this, which is cool too. Yeah, I think that's that's my, my that was where I'm at. Like if we can get to the point where you when you download the packs and get the real last names and the real hometowns from these players, that there's a cut that comes off the back end of that. Because that's when it happens, when you get it and you start, you know, when you start playing on the internet is kind of when it gets into the name, image, and likeness because it's like exactly who that person is. It's going to be interesting. I wonder if it, like, because I have a Nintendo Switch now. I've played some games. I have Super Smash Brothers still. I have, an, uh, I have a Dragon Ball Z video game. I think it's Dragon Ball Z Kai. I wonder if this will get me back into it. Like, there's a 007 GoldenEye game coming out for Switch 2, which is a real throwback to my youth. The N64 sitting here unplayable in my room right now also has that game available. So... Maybe I'll become a video game guy again once this comes back out. Maybe that's the turn that I'll make. Yeah, I was I was thinking I, I like the opportunity of actually trying it out and playing because I would love to jump on Switch, Switch, Twitch, literally sounding like an old-ass man. Let's get on Switch, uh, even though there's a Nintendo Switch. We should get on Twitch and, and play these games. Like, I, I would like to play football. Like, we did that a lot in your, your, your apartment. I don't think – I feel like we didn't play a lot of those games. We, like, watched every a lot of other people do it. But did you get in when, uh, you know, Dane thought he was the king of college football back in the day? So – College, for me, video game-wise, was much more defined by Halo and Call of Duty. And for most athletes, I think a lot of us tend to opt for first-person shooters just because it's something different. We were doing football every day back then. And so for a lot of guys going, unless it was playing Madden minigames, which fucking rocked, it was like, I I do this... Rushing Attack is the shit. God, Rushing Attack was the best. So good. Yeah. Hours on end with friends playing Rushing Attack. Rushing Attack to, was the number one thing that got played in the player lounge at Notre Dame when you would just sit yes. around. I I remember nothing else other than when he was on the Houston Texans, Connor Barwin was fucking unstoppable at linebacker. <laughs> he was the fastest player ever crafted in that game. 
I don't know who he bribed over at Madden because Connor Barwin was a good player, but I don't remember him being that like game fast on Sundays. But he right. was unstoppable. He could fly in that. And in many games, if you were the Texans linebacking core and you had him, I think Brian Cushing might have been in that group too. You were yes. loaded. You were set. Hey, you didn't want to play me with Jamal Will- uh, Jamal Williams, not Jamal Williams, uh, Jamal Lewis with the Ooh. Ravens back in the day. Is that, is that the right City. name? Is that yeah. the right name? Okay. Whew. Whew. I was going to take my card, and, take my Ravens card. But yes. It's going to be it's going to be incredible. So good news. Happy to all those who observe. It sounds like we're going to get even more literature on this. Matt Brown, who does a great newsletter about college sports and the business of college sports, will probably have plenty of great stuff on him. At some point, we'll have to get Matt on over here as we get closer to the date to explain to us all the things that we're going to get out of this video game. In the meantime, though, we appreciate you guys sticking around and playing the video game of life with us. God, terrible transition today. I didn't I didn't bring my A game. If this, that, and the third belongs to you, Brandon, then this end transition belongs to me, and I just completely <laughs> spit the bit today. No other way. Got to put my hand up. Mess this one up hey. on the way out. And you know what? Judge me accordingly. Judge me accordingly. Mm-hmm. Much, much like we saw Nathaniel Hackett stand up at a press conference yesterday and say, well, yeah, I should have. We should have gone for it. In hindsight, after missing the kick, he doesn't actually regret it. That was kind of the subtext of the whole thing. But much yeah, like Tommy sure. Reese, Notre Dame offensive coordinator, who had media yesterday and stood up and took responsibility and said, "Everything that's happened with the offense is my fault because I set this up." That's what a leader looks like. That's what yeah. you want to see out of the guy standing in your front of your room. Hell yeah, Tom. We see it's you out here working. It's a boy. So hand up, hand up and be accountable with us here. If you want to hold me accountable, download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating, but be critical of me within that rating. You can say whatever you want to me once you've given us the five-star rating. You can be as deadly honest with me as you need sure. to be. Just leave sure. us the five stars. That's all I need from and we you. Thank you. Check out we the YouTube the channel, stars. DraftKings YouTube. Subscribe to that. Like it. Head to the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist. We've got our video with Spencer Hall up from yesterday's episode here. Plenty of great stuff. You can go back and look at Lamar Jackson. Katie Nolan's been on with us recently. Jess Matana. Awesome people who you want to both see and hear. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Under the sea. Under the sea. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.